0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell, Uh, joined today by uh, someone that I met on a networking event not long ago. And from our initial conversation, I knew that he and I were more or less cut from the same cloth. And I learned a lot just from the short period of time that we were in our collaborative session together. So I thought it would be both in my own self interest and also valuable to all the listeners and viewers for me to bring him on if he was willing to be interviewed today on Consulting with Authority. Uh, I want to introduce Rick McCullough. Uh, Rick is uh, an author, speaker, business development coach. He's the director of Lightbulb Moments and the founder of WIIFM Sales and Marketing. He's a master synthesizer who applies the best in business and scientific thinking as a crusader for helping you get more clients. Uh, Rick, thank you so much for being on today. Really excited to have you on the session.
1: Well, thanks for having me here, appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So let's dive in. Let's learn a little bit about who you are, uh, your background, where you came from, and how you got to where you are uh, with your with your firm now, WIIFM.
1: Okay, well, that's generally a long story, but I'm gonna keep it really, really short. Uh, so basically, I spent a lot of time in the oil and gas industry, probably 25 years plus, directing complex drilling operations and that what happened later on in my career as i started transitioning into helping service companies uh market some of their own products and services to the oil and gas industry and i learned fairly quickly that i wasn't really that great at it uh quite <laughs> frankly i sucked at it and uh so i uh i at some point i actually connected with a number of coaches uh, And um, to all the names here, but there's a lot of people I follow, like uh, Jay Abraham, I follow like Perry Marshall, David Nagel, to name a few. Some of the master copywriters out there, like Gary Bessavinga and a number of other ones out there that I follow a lot. So I learned a lot through a fire hose experience and how to actually kind of do what I do. And I didn't want other people to have the same kind of problems I did because... I was really struggling for a long time there trying to figure figure things out, figure it one end from the other. And so I want to help other people get their what they want in their life and achieve their uh all success, freedom, and happiness they want in life and help them achieve a life of abundance for themselves. So that's that's a short version of how I got where I am.
0: That's great. That's good. I appreciate it. So um what's interesting about and, and you and I talked about this a little bit on our on our previous call. What's interesting about some of the lists of individuals you named uh, Jay Abraham, Perry Marshall, um, obviously you're a Zig Ziglar fan as well. Dan Kennedy is someone that we've talked about, you know, um, it's, it's. It's fantastic <laughs> that you follow those folks. Uh, that is the same, same group of people that I follow. And what's great about that particular group is how they think about n- not just marketing, sales, and business development, but how they think about business. It is a, it is a different paradigm from the quote-unquote traditional status quo of how people think about business. Um, tell me a little bit about the nature of the work that you do, who you serve, and how you serve those groups. How do you bring value to your clients?
1: Okay, well, I follow really uh, four four main pillars. And really that is about helping people understand their, uh, having a good message for themselves, what's going to resonate with their clients, prospects, or patients, or customers. Uh, and that leads me into the second one, and that is who their customers, prospects, or clients are, understanding their target audience. And the third component would be uh Basically, how do you create a great offer? How do you actually create something that somebody is going to want, want to have? And the analogy I like to use is imagine if you're a patient coming into the hospital with a, a bleeding neck. Well, the doctor already knows that he has a, he has a client right away because of, he, he's going to die if he doesn't have it. So what I ask my clients or uh, customers or people I work with, Who is your, um, what what is your client, patients or customers, what's their bleeding neck? And if you can mm-hmm. figure that out, that's going to make it a lot easier for you going forward and a lot easier for you to help you to help your customer or client or patient. And the fourth component I focus on really is how you um, deliver that message. And this is what I really focus on more right now. And that is how you, how you become more visible, uh, how you become a, a bigger authority. And there's lots of ways you can do that. And I won't go into all the details here, but that's really what I want to help you do. So if you need to create more eyeballs on you and you have a good product, you have a good service and you have a good message and you have a good offer, the, big, the biggest problem a lot of people have is they don't really have something that's, uh, that's going to make them more visible. So if uh, I can go on and let you know about who my ideal a client is, I can tell you about that, if if that's okay with you, uh, Scott. Yep.
0: Yeah, please. Uh, do do kind of, um, because what's what's valuable here is because we're talking and sharing with other consultants, it's always interesting to profile the guests and kind of learn a little bit about their business model, who they serve and the nature of those types of engagements, because you know we can all learn from each other. So yeah, absolutely. That'd be great for you to dive into.
1: So what I would call, I, recall, I quote unquote, my avatar is as often referred to as, I'm looking for local businesses with high-tech products or services that your prospect of actively searching for online. That would include, but not limited to people like dentists, chiropractors, massage therapists, plastic surgeons, um, could be anybody in the health and wellness industry such as that, or it could also include trades such as electricians, general contractors, residential or commercial. And in some cases, coaches and business consultants, Mm -hmm. and so they have to have a capacity for growth and desire for growth. If they don't have that capacity, desire for growth, uh, maybe they have all the clients they need. Maybe they're up to their eyeballs. They don't want to grow, and that's fine. That's they're not they're not who I'm targeting. I'm targeting people who really who are actively looking to grow. So that's what I would that's who I would say I would would target. Gotcha. And then when you
0: when you engage, just from a Outside viewpoint, when you engage with uh, one of these clients, the nature of the engagement are you are you playing a fractional CMO type role? Are you doing consulting projects? Are you doing retainer coaching type arrangements? What what's the most common type of engagement that you have, or what types of engagements? How do how do you work with your clients?
1: It can vary a lot, uh, but but in some cases it would be full fractional uh, CMO, Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it. like I, I have actually worked with uh, uh, life coaches, mindset coaches. I've worked with even uh, courier companies. And I've worked with uh, mm-hmm. one guy who was a pots and pans. He was basically a franchise for soundmaster mm-hmm. Uh So I've worked with other people. So I basically give them, I, I walk them through all those four pillars. And uh, so that's what I have done in the past. But what I'm focusing mm-hmm. on more right now is actually the, the visibility part. How do you become, more visible, have uh, develop more authority in the eyes of the people that are uh, really looking for a solution, and nice. that's because if you can't, if they can't find you, uh, it doesn't do you, and it doesn't do, certainly doesn't do them any good.
0: Right, right, exactly. So let's talk about that then. Um, when someone uh, comes to you, and I think that's why I'm really excited about this conversation, Rick, is because so much of what you do will have direct impact on this audience uh, who are watching and listening to the podcast tell us a little about the nature of the problems that you help solve i mean you mentioned um, the biggest problem that you solve is is when prospects either have a perception or the reality is they're invisible to their potential prospects or potential clients um what are some of the other problems that are tangential to that of the symptoms that are created from that
1: Okay, well, as I mentioned, the biggest problems become invisible. Uh, they're they're invisible, and we can find them. So, and in conjunction with that, if you're invisible, you don't also they don't have a lot of authority by by the very uh, definition of being invisible. Nobody knows you are, so you can't have any authority. You, you might be the best expert in the world, best dog walker in the world, but if you if nobody even knows you exist, um, that's not going to do you or anybody else any good. So, because it, it's very it, the problem is, is very difficult. Uh, to become well-known and have a local brand. Uh, as I say to often people, if you want to become a, become a brand, it's very extremely difficult to do because, you as Dan Kenny once said, you better have a long time to do it in a bag full of money. Exactly. Um, so and I have some solutions around that, to, to work around that. So building a huge audience of people is, is a problem. Uh, becoming a celebrity in your own niche, maybe that's what you want. Consistently getting more and more new customers, clients, or patients. That's all very difficult to do if you're not, if you're not visible, especially what I call in a very crowded, noisy market, mm-hmm. uh, a noisy environment, uh, because everybody's attention is, uh, it's all over the map. I mean, if I got faced by thousands of ads every day, so what are you going to do? I mean, it's really, how are you as a, how are you as, a as a business going to get people's attention? And uh how are they going to find you if they're basically, it's all this white noise out there. You got to break through that white noise.
0: Yeah. Um, and so let's dive into that a little bit, because obviously that is the crucial challenge in today's world is there's so much media. There's so many messages that are bombarding us every single day from us as a buyer standpoint, not even us as a service provider standpoint. But if we're buying it's hard to even know who to pay attention to, who not to pay attention to, and so the tendency is not to pay attention to anybody uh, and wait until we have a problem. Um, and so it is difficult to to break through that noise. What are you seeing, and you know, with the types of individuals or types of companies you work with? I know that a lot of them miscue and they try to solve the problem in the wrong way. What are some common um shiny objects or some common solutions that these companies try to implement that uh are not real solutions to the problem. You know, they might make mistakes in terms of trying to solve this problem and we'll back into the real solution after that.
1: Well if I could dive into a little bit about you kind of alluded to, it, but the kind of the symptoms that people are facing. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have; they basically have no, fewer, no prospects or customers, clients, or patients. They're suffering from overwhelm. They're frustrated. They're broke. They're depressed. They feel like they're on a hamster wheel. Uh, maybe they have sleep problems, poor health, or anxiety. That's that, Those are really symptoms. And so to get into the the real mistakes that they make and that generate these symptoms, they're not having a clear message a uh, target and an offer like I referred to earlier. So basically they're not even meeting the first four, first three of the four uh, pillars. Uh, assume, assuming even you have a clear message, a target or an offer, uh, creating awareness is critical, but the strategy of trying to be followed uh, and, and posting on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere your prospect and traditional, and traditional SEO is flawed. And so I'll get to that in a minute because it's overwhelming. It's time consuming. It's It's expensive. Yeah. Very, very expensive and often non productive with no results or what's worse, leaving you broke and frustrated. So you're trying to, to run a business, you don't have time, resources, and money to waste. And you basically, maybe you don't have any expertise in marketing. So you're trying to. You're trying to wear you're wearing all these different hats in your business you're trying to be the accountant. you're trying to bang nails you're trying to serve your patients and you you want to focus on what you're good at and that's actually serving your, your client marketing is like dentists friends, instance they don't go to dental school to learn how, how to market they have no so when they come out of dental school they don't know how to market themselves they know how to drill holes in teeth and actually right. get the, and get your root canals and implants, things like that. They've got lots of training there, but marketing is a whole different new game that they don't understand. So, and not just not dentists, dentists are just kind of a poster boy for this, but it, it applies to almost every business. Yeah. So business owners say the number one challenge is finding time and resources for marketing. And no wonder the failure rate of setups are so abysmal. Yeah, gotcha.
0: So. Understanding there are and and I call you know I call a lot of that shiny object syndrome where we we hear about this latest greatest type of media or this latest greatest solution that can help us achieve all these fantastic results and there's it's 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 kind of like a flavor of the week type thing right there's always a new solution and oftentimes they are time and money sucks as you pointed out before right they're just big black holes uh, especially for a small business owner. Um, or even a medium-sized business owner, like you said, that don't have the seemingly endless budgets to dump into advertising or brand building or marketing. So to that end, for a small business owner or operator, for our consultant uh, brethren and, and sisters who are watching and listening to this, w- what type of strategies then um, should they be paying attention to? What type of strategies should they be utilizing in order to 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 check off those pillars, to be able to deliver their message more compellingly, to put their offer in front of the right people? How should they be thinking about that?
1: Well, they need to be thinking that they do have to be kind of in this environment, you have to be on your present everywhere for sure. Okay. And uh, I talked about some of the ways of doing that. Facebook ads are doing posting, following people. Those are all good things to be doing, but again, people don't have a lot of time. So yeah. one of the things you need to, to get around that uh is basically I call it, and this is what I, I'm gonna leave you with, is there's a there's some real action you can start taking right away and they can implement that's a simple solution to the problem. And this is a problem that a lot of entrepreneurs have because myself included, we fall into this trap of being control freaks in our business. Right. So the first the first thing I, you need to do is fire your ego fire your ego got it okay yeah easier but, said than done right it is very difficult to do It's a, it's a it's basically i think it's inbred into every entrepreneur if we all have and i'm not saying you shouldn't have any ego mm-hmm. uh, and you shouldn't have any pride in what you're doing and that's not what i'm saying i'm saying our ego sometimes gets in the way of, of us moving forward right. stop so, trying to become a brand as i said before it's very difficult it, it's very difficult time consuming very expensive Rather borrow the brand from those who already have a strong brand. Mm-hmm. I call it the Kardashian effect.
0: I was going to ask you to talk about your background here, so I'm glad you went straight into this. Let's let's talk about borrowing the brand. Then the Kardashian effect. Go for it.
1: So the reason for my background—it's really a metaphor for what I help people do—is because everybody, I think everybody, and his and his family, dog, whatever—they they know who the Kardashians are, and there's a reason for that. I'm not. I'm not endorsing them particularly one way or the other a bit what what, what they're really good at is actually getting in eyeballs on on their product and service and and their brand they're very good at that so that's why it's a metaphor for what I do and that's what I try and do is get eyeballs and uh, on your uh, on your product or service uh, so that you develop that authority and visibility in front of the people that you're trying to attract. So the Kardashian effect is really going through using the media everybody thinks that Google is a is a big elephant in the room and as Einstein once said everything's relative yes. so so Google is a big brand but there's a, there's a there's a bigger elephant in the room and that's the media as a whole the media is, is, is the biggest uh, is the biggest elephant in the room because they have they have a lot of eyeballs looking at what they're doing And Google pays attention to that. So Google's, who Google's trying to get, uh, pay attention to is obviously going to pay attention to the bigger brands. Somebody, especially somebody that might be bigger than them, they're going to pay attention to that. So what happens when you have articles or podcasts or videos or slide shares that are actually being hosted by these big brands like NBC, USA Today, Google News, uh, there's a number of other up to about three to 400 different ones, uh, Google pays attention. And by extension, so they, they basically raise your or elevate you to a higher level of authority and visibility, and they push your articles through those media outlets to the top of their, their search, search terms. So when somebody puts a... Uh, Somebody puts a search term in there for, I, I need a dentist in a particular location that specializes in oh, maybe uh, implants or root canals or teeth whitening. Then it goes right to the first thing that shows up are those articles. And eventually, as time goes on, your website will eventually rise to the top as well. Sure. So, your tar- so your target automatically starts uh, take elevating you as a higher, a higher authority and because they're seeing you more often. Gotcha. So that's, that's that's you've heard.
0: Good, good. And and I want to dive a little deeper into that because you mentioned several different types of media outlets. Um, one thing that I've heard, and you can verify this or 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 not, is that because Google owns YouTube, uh, YouTube content in particular is favored in some ways in the Google algorithm to help create more. Um, you know, Google wants to drive more views to their YouTube videos, basically what I'm saying. What have you found that to be true and YouTube as a, as a worthy channel to, to do outreach on?
1: Oh, it is. I think I think YouTube, like I, I didn't mention it before and thanks for bringing that up because YouTube is a good way to actually promote yourself as well. I mean, I mentioned Facebook and I mentioned, mm-hmm. I mentioned um, posting and all that good stuff, but that posting couldn't include uh, YouTube videos. I, absolutely, okay. for sure. I, I think that's a great way to do it. I know lots of people who swear by YouTube a lot. And um, what I'm saying is that if you try and do all those things yourself, you're going to overwhelm yourself. So, So when I say fire your eagle, what I'm talking about there is, don't be afraid to outsource a lot of your work as well that's that'd be another thing i meant to bring up earlier is don't be afraid to outsource some of your some of the work that you you don't have the time to do because you don't have time to do it you're too busy doing your help serving your clients and so if you're wanted to if you want to hire somebody to do all those things for you that's fine that's one way to do it uh, but there's one there, there are some ways to get to bypass a lot of that and go right to get right to the heart of what Google is looking for, and they're looking at the big brands. Yeah. And so yeah. what happens is we we create these uh, blogs or articles. They get converted to podcasts and videos. They could be YouTube videos. They get converted to in Slideshare. So ultimately, some of the stuff we promote or create gets gets created as a as a video that would go to YouTube as well. So definitely YouTube is a good question.
0: Good. And I love what you just said in terms of taking a content piece and repurposing it in a lot of different ways, because that is a tremendous time saver, right? You create the content once, and then it's just about, you know, if it's an article, then uh, that gets transmitted, you know, you just read or share the article via YouTube video or record a YouTube video, and that could be transcribed into an article and then all kinds of different social posts and so forth that makes a lot of sense. I, I want to go back to this Kardashian effect and borrowing a brand. So you mentioned that it's sort of a metaphor and a symbol for what's possible in the marketplace. Share a little bit about the strategy of borrowing other people's credibility and authority or brand in the marketplace. How might uh, you know a given independent consultant who's working for you know B2B consultant uh, do that in their respective marketplace?
1: Well, first of all, I need to reiterate who the target's for. It has to be somebody that's then definitely, if your if your clients, patients, or customers or, or prospects are looking for your service online, then it's a good it's a good fit. It will work with also people who are maybe where you're not being necessarily searched for directly, but that creates a a different type of strategy. Where you Use this as a support for actually giving you more giving you more authority. Uh, but if you're not people aren't generally searching for you online, then you, there, there are other strategies you want to use in combination with this. Okay. Um, so, the so the way to uh, do that is really just get more, uh, get more get those articles and podcasts and videos and slideshows in front of as many people as possible. So that's probably gotcha. the best best way to do it. Gotcha. And um, gotcha okay good That's, so it's really uh, that I, that. So I'm not sure I totally answered that question I totally answered that question for you
0: uh, yes but I, I want to take it one step further I think you did the uh, one it, you know a key strategy is to continue to build out the content on a consistent basis and get it onto the media platforms right uh, submit it uh, I don't know um, what you might share in terms of how how that can be be done obviously you work with people to get that done with them and for them um,
1: <laughs> I I can go into that a bit if you like.
0: Yeah, that would be good. Uh, So creating the preponderance of content, getting it in the right channels. And then do you recommend within the content itself? Like, for instance, we're recording a podcast here and you've got this Kardashian effect background here. Um, We're talking about them uh, and you're relating what they've done to the work that you do. So in a way you're actually teaching what you're doing yourself which i think is very cool. Uh would you recommend when people use content obviously it has to be the right um the right celebrity or the right example or the right type of uh, authority figure but would you recommend people when they create content to cite other types of celebrities or credible sources or authorities in their content and make that just part of virtually every content piece that they do the idea being you know, here's something we can learn from this person. Here's something we can learn from this company. What's your perspective in terms of integrating that into content?
1: It's interesting you bring that up because a while ago I did a number of posts, and this is something that one of my own coaches suggested I do, mm-hmm. and it kind of it kind of it kind of elevates your own status a little bit by doing this. What I did uh, quite a while back, and I probably might start start doing it again, is is actually Doing a quick profile review of the main people I learned from. Okay. Like maybe I, I did a I did a blog on David daigle I did one on Jay Abraham. I did one mm-hmm. on uh, uh, Gar- I think Gary Bessavega and something and people I know in Calgary here as well. The people that are r- really well known. So I so I would say yes, if you can, anytime you can borrow somebody else's credibility, and even if you're just writing about them. And a lot of people talk about using influencers. So basically, yeah. if you if you follow the people that are following influencers, I mean, it gets a little more uh, tangled here. But you need to be following following influencers and following the people that are following influencers, and that helps build your status for sure. They, they, I want to go back to an old example, an older example that goes back many many years. The idea, the whole idea of boring brands has gone back for probably centuries, but the a little more recent history. Uh, we probably all remember the box of cereal being promoted by the athlete. Yeah, of course. Wheaties. The Wheaties, buying the Wheaties. Keep, eat your Wheaties and be, look like this guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right. I wish that worked, by the way. I've eaten a lot of cereal and I still am who I am. I guess there's
1: more to it than just cereal, but go for yeah, it. Well, yeah, but the, but the perception is that you're going to be like him if you eat this guy's cereal. I mean, they're not saying that. That'd be totally wrong, but they're basically, you're building, they're, they're buying the athlete not buying the cereal. Correct. Yeah. So, so, great that, so that's that's an example where it kind of started. I mean, that's a concept has been around for a long time, but probably mm-hmm. longer than that. But that's the more a more recent example of where this all started.
0: And with and with all the different media channels we have available where where it's so easy for someone to publish, I'm not suggesting that. Uh, a business owner operator do all that work themselves. But no. the point is by having someone that they're aligned with a partner that can do that for them, that is an expert in that world, you don't have to have the massive budgets that Wheaties used to get the, the Olympic gold medalist on the box of cereal, right? No. You can you can do it for far less dollars and still be effective in your own marketplace. Uh, and you can borrow, like you said, the, the example you gave for your own work, borrowing the credibility of Jay Abraham and the others you're going to get more eyeballs because you use that name. And now people are going to find you and learn from you because you were citing Jay Abraham. I think that's an important lesson. And Mm -hmm. and it goes straight to the bigger point you were making before, which is we have to get out of our own way. We have to fire our own ego Um, and, and bringing other people into that conversation, I think is valuable. Um, So you mentioned you might take us down the path of, of getting access to, or getting content, um you know shared through media any notes or strategies you can share there
1: first of all it's like uh, what i would say it's uh, to to take you through the whole process of how how it's all done that's probably an hour or two long yeah training right. course so i uh, so even then i would say it's like i can give you a bit of a manual and i'm going to be in the cook's version of a manual how we do this but it's like if i hand you a a a flight manual and tell you go fly a plane. Well I you know where that's gonna end up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. So i right. I might give you the flight manual, but I don't recommend flying a plane yourself that, so understood. Yeah, one fair one enough. Team. So so what we do is uh we actually find out from our clients, our clients what we what they do that makes them special what are those four pillars in their their business? Okay. Like, like, yeah. Their message, their target. And they're under uh, offering. And what makes them stand apart? What What is their customer clients or patients bleeding neck? trying to understand that. And then we get into some more online research. We actually use some just simple Google tools for actually searching, looking for what people are looking for and we do co- create what we call a snapshot report. The snapshot report is just a, uh, a quick review of, of w- what your, what your visibility is like, what your competition is like. And we do that based on different matrices, like what services you provide, where you're located. And then we do that as a baseline. And then as we go further on for each month, we create a, create a new one and we see how far you've progressed. It's it's somewhat qualitative. It's not. Yeah. Uh, but we also do create some analytics at the end to get some idea of what's, what's happening. And we do have some tools for that. And uh, so once we've, established what makes you different, what makes you stand apart. And we've done that research. Then we have a team of copywriters who understand how to actually write for the media. Because even well-trained copywriters, if they don't understand how to talk to the media, are not going to get their, their article submitted or yeah. accepted. Accept it. So it's gotta be done in a way that they want it, that the media wants it. Uh, so if you try and do it yourself, it's it, it can be challenging even for somebody who's trained in the area to do it. So if you try and do it as a newbie, obviously don't don't try it unless you actually get some specific training on how to do that because it can be a real challenge. So that one. so, and we do recommend that you do at least one article a month and it has to be constant, consistent. You brought that up earlier and we recommend at least doing two, one article a month for sure. And we recommend two to four articles a month. And uh, that'll get you there faster. One article will get you there eventually, but uh, multiple articles per month will get you there just faster. That's all.
0: Gotcha. No, that makes perfect sense. That's good. And that's helpful in terms of understanding your process, how you think through it. Uh, also, the note about, you talked about your four pillars, but the note that you just gave about how critical it is for any you know business leader to be able to answer those questions for themselves. So that they have clarity around their business development process. That's really, really critical. One of the things that we haven't uh, touched on uh, as much yet that I, I kind of want to make the one of our final points here, we have a couple other questions afterwards, but that is uh, pillar three, which is about crafting uh, a compelling offer for the marketplace. And certainly, you know, uh, like you mentioned before, we could probably spend Two or three days on on how to build and craft and create a compelling offer. But would you mind sharing just a couple of the key elements that a small business leader or consultant should think about when they're when they're putting their offer together that they're going to take to marketplace or when they're refining their existing offer?
1: Uh, number and uh, not necessarily in this order, but I would say the one of the first one I'm going to mention is extremely important. And that's having some sort of a what I call a, um, guarantee, yeah. And so reversing the risk, basically risk reversal, which is the first thing I one of the first things I learned about marketing. I learned that from Jay Abram. He talks about risk reversal a lot. Mm-hmm. So basically, taking the risk out of actually doing business with you, because I know a lot of business owners who've been burned by um, marketing, and they get marketing, these marketing gurus come along and say, "Oh yeah, well we can do this, this for and then nothing happens, and then it, all, all they hear are crickets and um, so they've maybe tried a couple of times it's like going to a couple of bad restaurants as well I never go into this restaurant again right right or any restaurant for that matter yeah. so so just because yeah being burned is, is can hurt uh, but doesn't mean you have to you have to give up uh, so uh, that's uh, it, it's very important to know that marketing can help your business and and um, is there anything else in that question you want me to answer as far as like, like, oh, the, the other thing about the offer was what the offer yeah. is really the guarantee is important. And then also, I would say having uh, um, like proof of what you're avail- what you can do. Uh, what I would say is having a good, uh, like, having, obviously, having a good product to start, to start with. And then having some backup, say, well, these are some testimonials. These are some case studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those have to be in the offer. And yeah. then make, then, then, make it. And then also talk about what the value is in that offer. What value you're actually giving to them. And like, I'm not saying to exaggerate a whole bunch, but show them what real value you're providing for them, as far as what they're, what if they follow the the uh, what you're selling them uh they're going to get some huge get some huge results and, and it's it's worth it's worth 10 times what i'm charging for this because you're gonna get 10 times back what i'm charging for it. and that kind get into those kind of things figure out what it is that is gonna make that offer irresistible and uh and having I think standing out yourself is going to be important. Like what, how, how you position yourself is going to be an important part of that offer. Like, where, what's your background? Why should they listen to you? What's your story? What, what bleeding neck problem do you solve? And who you're understanding who your target is, that's all got to be part, part of your offer. And then making sure you're, you're always offering lots of bonuses because people love those kind of things, having a good bonus in there and making it sure that it's – and sometimes I've heard some coaches say, make the bonus actually worth more than the main offer.
0: Sure, I've heard the same thing, absolutely. And and not only heard the same thing, but like you no doubt, I've done it. And that tends to be true, right? If, if, if the thing that they're getting um, ancillary to the primary offer has a perceived value greater than the offer itself, then the likelihood of converting a prospect to a client's much higher. Um, you know, this goes back to a couple of things that I'm reminded of, uh, Dan Quint- Dan Kennedy quotes. I once heard him say, going to your point about social proof and incorporating case studies, success stories, testimonials, he he implied or, or uh, said, you can never have too many testimonials. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's an important note. You can never have too much social proof that what you're offering works really, really well. The other note, too, just in terms of you mentioned... Um, It's not about exaggerating or being hyperbolic and certainly not about deceiving or lying about the quality of your offer. But a lot of people I've, I've found, especially in today's world, because there's so much skepticism and even cynicism in today's world, a lot of business leaders and owner operators are tentative about talking about the value or results or outcomes that they really can provide with their offer. And going back to something that you said, it's kind of been a thread throughout this conversation. I think that's largely, I'd love to get your input on this. I think their tentativeness or timidity about claiming what their offer does, right? About saying, we can help you achieve X, Y, and Z. Doesn't mean you won't have to do some work yourself, but our program has been proven to do, 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 result, result, result. People are tentative and timid about, uh, tentative and timid about that because they're letting their ego get in the way. They're afraid that people will judge them harshly as being too salesy or whatever. And at the end of the day, the second Kennedy quote is results rule period. Uh, I'm I'm not interested in what people think of me. I'm interested in how I can impact people and the compensation I can get paid for impacting people in a positive way. What's sort of your perspective around have you seen that? Have you seen people that are more timid and tentative about claiming yeah. their offer what what's your perspective on that? what's your advice to those types of, of folks who are kind of in that stuck in that paradigm?
1: No I can speak from personal experience because I used to be one of them. okay yeah, good. <laughs> so anyway, and I hear I, I hear this all the time from other coaches, from other workshops I go to. And I never call a webinar. I never call it a webinar anymore. I, I call it a workshop. Webinar has this generic name that's really, it's well, just another webinar. Just someplace, want, somebody wants my money, that sort of thing. So I call it a workshop. Someplace where you actually can learn something. So given a name that actually implies you're going to work something. Yep. Uh, so as far as being timid and you can't, it's not that you want to become sales. You come across as a Herb Tarlick or somebody like that, that just really is, is just out to sell your car and and get you off the lot as fast as you can it's really about uh, what what do you generally if you understand generally what you offer is going to be valuable to your target audience you have a duty and an obligation to actually let them know about it because if you don't you're basically not only hurting yourself but you're hurting your potential client because you're not giving him the opportunity to actually uh, move forward in his own business life or business or personal life so you basically it's it's, it's almost selfish not to make an offer to somebody because because you're not really you're not serving anybody by being timid about it i'm not saying being salesy or being Making exaggerated claims, things like I'm not talking about. I'm talking about if you generally have something that's as value to who you're talking talking to. It's like if you imagine if you uh, if you have a really good friend. Imagine you and I are really best buddies and we hang out a lot. And I go and see this awesome movie that I really loved. Yeah. and, And then I never tell you about it, and then you find out I didn't tell you. What would you think of me? Yeah, yeah. I'd be upset that I didn't get to see the movie sooner. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so basically that i mean that's a simple example but don't be afraid to let people know and i'm not saying they're all your clients or everybody but it's really about if you really want to help the world and want to help them achieve a, a legacy of abundance for themselves don't be afraid to to tell them how they can do it and that and I, I, this gets me into uh, gets into the uh, last question i think you have on there is what from all my experience what's the, that's and funny. I think if I can answer that question, because it, really, go it. it what's the most valuable tip that you can give to people? Um, well, first of all, the only opinion that matters or counts is, the, is your customers, client, or patient. So find out what they want and generally find out what they want. If you can serve them and then show them how to get it and don't, and don't try and guess because most of the times you'll be wrong. You have to ask. And that, that comes from uh, Bernard Brosh, who was just, for people who don't know who he was, he was an um, advisor to three presidents and a, and, a, and a financier for many, many years. And he was one of the most persuasive negotiators uh, in the U.S. for many, many years. So he basically, some and now somebody asked him, he says, at the end of it, each was me so how did you basically get everybody to stop fighting with each other and actually cooperate? And he wouldn't answer initially until he was near his death. And somebody asked him again, he said, find out what people want and show them how to get it. yeah and is that that's the most tall most powerful words in marketing
0: yeah I think it's right and and you know that's such a um, it's such a known idea that it's become cliched but it doesn't mean that it's it's cliched for reason it's repeated for reason it's princi- it, it is a it is the core principle and so often it, this goes back to ego again uh, Rick we get so caught up in our own work. And then what we think is going to be valuable for the marketplace and what we think our potential clients, customers, or patients want, that we go ahead and create that offer, create that thing. We put it in the marketplace and then we hear crickets and we wonder why. And the reality is the reason why is because we didn't ask them first. Um, And if we can make sure that we're tapped into that marketplace, put our ego aside, and then put together a truly valuable solution that, we are confident in and proud of that we're not timid about talking about, then we can have that impact that you're talking about. And I love the way you framed it because it's hundred percent right. If you have something meaningful and valuable to share in the world or to your market, you have an obligation and a responsibility to make sure that you're doing that effectively. Um, and if you're not doing that, right? If you Then that's your ego getting in the way of your own success, but but arguably more importantly, it's your ego getting the way, getting in the way of someone else's success. So I think those are that's a fantastic lessons uh to be reminded of. And I really appreciate it. Listen, thank you so much for your expertise here today. I, I wanna be sure that people know how the, they can enter into your world, how they can contact you. For those of you who are watching on the video, you've got Rick's information right there over his shoulder. So, you know, take a note of it. But Rick, if someone wants to learn more, if they want to get in touch with you, if they are interested in working with you, what's the best way for them to uh, to reach out?
1: Uh, first of all, uh, you know, they can basically reach me at, uh, uh, I guess the best way to reach me out to is to uh, book a chat with me. Uh, it's just called, and you can probably put this somewhere in your podcast. We will, we'll put everything it's, in the show notes. It's, it's basically uh, book a chat, Uh, .wii.fm. And that will take you into a calendar. And in the meantime, I'd like to leave them with a a resource that they can actually take a look at what I do, the more what I do, and it explains a bit more detail of what I'm helping customers with or clients with right now. So what i ask you to do is register for what I call an executive briefing on how you can amplify and magnify your visible authority for more customers, clients, and patients and of course, for more sales and profits. So that website is uh, www.wii.fm forward slash media.
0: Okay, very good. And we'll make sure and get all of that in the show notes as well for everyone so that they can take advantage of that.
1: And that's and that, very- They'll do a little deeper dive into what you've been talking about. That's fantastic, that's fantastic. Listen,
0: uh, thank you again. It's been great getting to know you over the last few weeks. Um, I look forward to continuing to stay in touch, our conversations together. Um, so Rick, again, thank you so much for being
1: here. Well, thanks again, Scott, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to reach a few more people.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And help and a few more people.
0: Absolutely, and for those of you watching and listening, uh, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Consulting with Authority. As always, this is Scott Cantrell, wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening i hope you got a ton of value out of this episode and before we go i want to thank the sponsor of our show smart solutions media smart solutions media empowers business owners consultants and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients if you're a b2b consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects Visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete the short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.